0: Did did he say while well, gardening, or did he say in the garden?
1: I believe he described it as a gardening mishap, which okay. I I'm hoping was a Spinal Tap reference.
0: <gasps> oh, right. That it make, it actually, bumpy. I would start. Yes, I think that makes me like Brian Maymore.
1: If if he knew what he was doing when he was making I the feel reference,
0: like I mean, as much as he's made me mad lately, I feel like he's got a sense of sure. humor, right?
1: no i mean i hold out hope that you guys can reconcile
0: i think it'd be good if we could
1: yeah i think it'd be wonderful
0: mm-hmm. i think i could have a cat named brian may it seems like a cat name
1: It's just it's it's a weird
0: okay you know you're giving me all this shit but you wanted to name your cat tilda swinton
1: right and i would refer to so her you're as just right. every, like full name all the time you
0: are just as guilty of said putting pressure on said animal and lots to live up to.
1: True. I just I don't.
0: So <laughs> I feel like
1: Sid Vicious is a higher bar my... than Tilda. Sid Vicious is a higher <gasps> bar than Tilda Swinton. You think? And she. Was I think great they're two myself, different bars. Like, I think. Right. I
0: think they're two two different bars.
1: Oh yeah, no. Tilda Swinton's not the bar, bar is very wavy and right. Yeah, a little off there. I just. Right. I don't know.
0: How about Gordon Sumner? That's a good dog name. Oh, that's a good one.
1: Yeah. Cherry Vanilla.
0: I know. Cherry Vanilla would be awesome.
1: Uh, I, my wife, uh, one of her coworkers, has a, has a cat named Susan.
0: Oh, that's a cute cat name.
1: And maybe it's just this idea of uh, using, giving animals like real human names that you might could conceivably name a child or something else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think that's where it gets weird. Like no one is going to be naming their child Jelda Swinton. Right. They might. That I that they I might. didn't have any say in. I had zero say in that. I know,
0: but they and might though. Jilda they Swinton will.
1: or Claire Huxtable.
0: Well Claire Huxtable would be good too. Because she did
1: nothing wrong.
0: This is why, with your hosts, Heidi Headquist and Luke Poling. I do like 16 Candles. I don't dislike The Breakfast Club. It's just not my favorite. I think it's because at the time, there wasn't a girl character I could relate to. Mm. Not that there is in the other ones either. I related to Callie LeBrock. (laughs) (laughs) So that was my favorite.
1: For most people, there's somewhere between (laughs) a Molly Ringwald and an Ally Sheedy. Nope. Nope. (laughs) <laughs> you you go straight to miss don't hate me because i'm beautiful 100%. right okay yeah that, i mean that uh, i'm trying to find a nice way to say this uh that makes sense that seems on brand for you right it is yeah. on brand i
0: think that's a very nice way to say it <laughs> i think it's perfect wow <laughs> even
1: at the time you were just like oh yeah yeah wade and what was the other one's name why right Wyatt, that's right. Yes, and then
0: we should try to find Wyatt.
1: Was it Gary? Was that Bill Paxton?
0: It, no. Okay, wait. Gary. It was, it was Gary Chet, and Wyatt. Chet. Chet, Chet yes. was Bill Paxton, but it was Gary and Wyatt. Anthony Michael Hall was Gary, and the and other right, dude yes. who we should interview was Wyatt.
1: Right. Uh, is it Ian? Elon Michael Smith.
0: Yeah, something like that.
1: We can't see is a professor now?
0: Even Let's better.
1: Um Wow. He uh received his A B, which I'm not exact what does that stand for? Do you know?
0: His A B. Not as B A.
1: No, it's I mean maybe it's a Is it a so- I, I can't believe that Wikipedia would be wrong, but um, in medieval studies from University of California, Davis, his MA in medieval studies from Fordham received his doctoral degree from Texas A&M. As of January 2020, he's an associate professor in the English department at uh California State University, Long Beach.
0: Okay, we can I find be- him.
1: I imagine if we could talk to him about weird science and, and medieval and medieval history right?
0: uh, and about like the and wh- yeah, about the plague like how does this relate to the last plague like is it better yes. is it worse
1: was naked and afraid your first job in yeah. this field or were you doing this for a while before then
2: well i've been in print uh design all my life i grew up in a print family um, we own the newspaper. So, you know, I'm a third generation newspaper publisher. I guess I didn't publish a newspaper. I published my own uh, uh, tabloid uh, actually <laughs> tabloid, um, off of our press for about six years. Um, and then, you know, newspapers kind of took backseat and we ended up, you know, as most small newspapers getting absorbed by a bigger corporate conglomerate as the advertisers started dropping off. And. And I dipped out and went and retrained myself for motion design for television. And, you know, so I do effects now uh, in motion design. Naked and Afraid was my first job out of my new training. Um, so I went back and retrained myself uh, for about a year. And I got a certific- certificate degree um, through Video Symphony in Burbank, California. And um I was offered the job with Naked and Afraid prior to graduating. Um and I could have jumped in about six months earlier, but I wanted to finish up my schooling. It was really important to me. On, you know, the, the first interview I had, you know, I think it was, you know, probably the third question, but they're like, you know, how do you feel with nudity? You know, how do you do with nudity? And you know, I'm like, I don't you know, I'm, you know so they're like they wanted to know what you thought, you know, can you work to the, or what your thoughts were? I was like, that's fine. You know, it's, as long as there's a paycheck, good. Right. <laughs> it was the third question.
0: Of
1: right. the interview. Yeah, Cause they want to know if you
2: can do the work, you know, that's a
1: good point. Sure. Yeah.
2: And they were like, okay, it's kind of like if you're going to be offended or if this is going to be something that you can't see day in and day out or, function with or if there's a problem at home. You know, it's it's, it's new yeah. it's it's yeah. nudity. It and at the same time, you know, yeah. You, and you have to be with this show in particular, it's you know, there's a lot of securities around it, obviously. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, you know. So yeah, it was interesting. But yeah, they they wanted to know, you know, are you okay with nudity? I like, <laughs> sure. I kind of knew what I was getting into. Before. Yeah,
0: it's like kinda in the Title. Yeah. <laughs> <Naked> <laughs> I, don't know.
2: Right. yeah
0: so. I mean, that's a... Not like all jokes aside. Like that is a very important job on that show, and that is a very big, quote unquote, first job. <laughs>
2: it, it is. It was. It was a little weird, and however, I'll tell you about how important the blurring is for Naked and Afraid. The producers quite literally. You know, there's there's story, there's footage, but with the nature of the show and being a semi-family show on Discovery, the blurring <laughs> was the what was going to make it or break it, and um, other shows had done it and they have they had really terrible compositing. And so the blurring process, in they could have frid, was a process that um, a few people that worked on the show, um, developed, uh, we all developed it over a period of about six months. Um, when, by the time I came in, they had already had some techniques and then we just kept fine tuning it. The, the, um, you know, the post producer, Marco Jolson, he basically his mandate was, I want them to look like Barbies. So our mandate was to make the blurs non-egregious. So basically they needed to, the viewer needed to not be distracted by the blurring. Right. And the producers later on would tell us that that is one of the hallmarks that made the show a success and made it viable and arable and because the blurs were so, well, you know, I mean, sometimes they were, they, we had a bunch of different artists, but if done right, they would be non-distracting. Right. And it
1: really is when you see the footage and still sort of prepping for this, it, you do have to kind of look twice to sort of see, are they actually, like, I, it's very, very well done. When in the process of cutting the show, does the blurring come in? Do you? Do they worry about the story and the arc of the episode and then you guys come in? Because like you said, you're working with sensitive footage. This is something that somebody's not going to say, yes, I want this on TV. So where in the process, since again, in the process of putting together a show, footage is being sent to a bunch of different people and a bunch of different departments are weighing in on it. Where do you guys get the footage?
2: So we we come in in what's called the online phase, which is the last phase of post-production. So um, because the, the job of blurring is difficult, it's tedious, it's time-consuming, and it's extremely important for the show, basically, they, they, they go out and shoot, they put it in the can, they, they ship it back, they, then the AEs go through it, they label everything, the editors start, the story producers start. They start stringing out episodes. They get the episodes done, and as you know, so when they get into a final cut phase, is when they would start sending us the 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 footage to um, blur because it's extremely important for us not to blur footage that I mean, for process and for cost of production, you don't want the artist blurring something that won't air. Right. So, So basically, we are kind of next to the last step of post production. So you
0: often hear with gynecologists, right? You know, the whole joke of you've seen one vagina, you've seen them all. Okay. Did it ever get to that point with all those naughty bits in front of you?
2: So, yeah, I mean, so the job is to to uh, blur the naughty bits. I Yeah, I mean, after a while, it becomes <laughs> very mechanical.
0: Right, I would but imagine.
2: You know, and I'll be honest with you, it's like. Let's say, you you know, yeah, it's like seen one, you've seen them all, you know, some, you know, and as our as blur artists, you know, it's like you're generally trying to get the job right. So after a while, the nudity kind of just dissipates into the background and you're focused on the pixels. And so after time, I mean, yeah, basically, it's like it's just a job. And Yeah. yeah. over time, it was like, oh, you know, we were more frustrated about the challenges of the work than like worried about what the work was. Uh, but yeah, it became. And then for me, like I, I wasn't you know shocked or anything by nudity, and you know, so it wasn't a big deal for me. I think some artists would come in and they, it was challenging for them. The you know, seeing the nudity. Some people, you know, but yeah, it, I'll tell you a funny little thing though. So yeah, you see one, you see them all. If you're blurring, if you're blurring nudity. Um, it's a job and yeah, it's, it's just a, you know, it's really not a big deal. Uh, yeah, it, this is what's funny though, is, you know, you see this person come in and it's like their entry shot and they're running on the beach. And they're, they're fresh out of, you know, whatever, they're all rested and, you know, freshly new, they just took their clothes off and they're probably showered. And after about three days, they all start looking the same. Like, yeah
0: you
2: know, I mean if, it's, there's, oh. no, there's no if you, if someone was attractive like at their first shot running down the <laughs> beach you know, after a few days it's like it's everything all yeah it's all over
0: yeah. <laughs> it's I would imagine best. no matter how like how free spirited you are you would be happy for that blurring after three days you exactly. wouldn't want anyone <laughs> to know what it yeah. like
2: yeah <laughs> and, you know and yeah with the you know, with the, um, the, you know, the vaginas or, you know, the naughty bits for females, like those are, that's a little bit easier to blur because, you know, it's, yeah. you make it look like a Barbie a little bit easier. There's right. nothing flying around or.
0: Right. Around. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: So you'll have to like compensate your tracking, you know? So that was probably the easiest bit. Right. To work on. Yeah. But yeah, it
0: I- be hard. Yeah. <laughs> no but, pun intended you know,
2: again. <laughs> Artists, yeah. I mean, it, you see some rather unattractive angle. <laughs> and
1: well, I was going to say that's the other thing. Like, it's not all, like you said, glamorous running down the beach shots. There's a lot of crouching and bending and oh, things that. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Like you
1: said, nobody can make super attractive.
2: Yeah. You know, there's I mean, these people are surviving. And and the thing about Naked and Afraid is they're really out there surviving. And, you know, a lot of these people are experts. And the one thing about the show is it's real. You know, these people Mm -hmm. are surviving. They're doing their best. It's a competition for them. And, And, you know, I will say out of all the reality television on the planet that I've seen or worked on, you know, Naked and Afraid's legit. It's it's a legit wow. show. Yeah. It lives um, up to the title. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're quite literally these people are, you know, when if they're not ready for this stuff and they're challenging their it's they're they're having hard times out there, you know. It's it's I I can't even imagine. I've watched new right? I've watched sixty, seventy and blurred and all these episodes of Naked and Afraid and and uh not one of them makes me feel more comfortable about going out into the outdoors. In
0: yeah, right. I mean, why do you think people want to be on the show?
2: I think that people want to be on the show because they're, well, some, we had, you know, there's people that are exhibitionists and they're just like, hey, you know, and then there's people that are real survival people. You know, I think the, what ended up being, you know, the main success of the show is there are people that are survivalists and this challenge to them is next level. So they can get and a lot of these people like the real the real survivalist outdoor, you know, um bushcraft people, they just see it as a next level challenge. They're like, okay, you know, because you don't get to start with shelter. I mean it's basically just bare bones, bare body. Literally, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So they see it as this great challenge. And I, I believe for a lot of them they They gain, you know, the get because there's no money involved is that respect amongst their community. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you get, I mean, they would bring people in that were kind of survivalists and, you know, sometimes they do good, sometimes they do bad. But in the end, you know, or even midway through the show, I mean, like I said, you get on there, these people get on there and you can, if you watch the episodes, you see the digression of everything, character, you know, page. And I mean, they go through it all, so it yeah it's it was I don't know it's a lot of fun to work on
1: how often or how soon into watching the footage oh, do you go this person's not going to cut it
2: so we never really knew the storyline as the blur artist, so we would you know so I'd make up my own story as I went along, <laughs> so we never really knew the success, and eventually we, when we started doing the the p s r graphics and things like that, we would see the scoring and kind of know how well they're doing and things like that, but um. We, you, I could kind of tell through the footage. So basically, I was like, as I was working, because I wasn't in story, or you know, sometimes we were close to the story editors and I, I right. editors and I would go into the bay and like maybe see some of an episode, but I didn't really know what the outcome was. I just knew uh, how bad people started looking, you know? right? How <laughs> you know, they're like hurting, but I never really knew the outcome until it went to air.
1: What what kind of stories were you making up was it like free-spirited dental hygienist who has a car breakdown like what's the kind of story <laughs> you guys are creating
2: well i'm you know so i'm working on a shot let's just say of some somebody like dismantling a crab that they caught you know and it's this thing and they're dismantling it in front of their boobs or something and uh, you know so i'm like okay so they got food you know right. like <laughs> yes. or i could tell by the weight loss they're super hungry they're probably you know very desperate right now um but i wouldn't i wouldn't make up stories like you know it's just basically like i would try to figure out if they were gonna drop out or you know how like through the blur shots like what the you know if they were the, going to win or if they' were gonna you know not win or you know but i never really knew the end result and so it wasn't so- like Prince fighting with father trying to win his love by no. No, 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 no. no. I, okay. I'd be I'm no, trying to not. figure out where they had been based on the shots because they weren't always in sequence. So I'd be like, okay, is this is this earlier in the show? <laughs> and they're a little cleaner here and they look a little more refreshed. Is this before or after this last shot of them catching <laughs> food? You know, so I would try to basically piece together the storyline that story editors were you know, were piecing together themselves and the editors. Um, so that's kind of what I was talking about. I wouldn't be oh, like, okay. oh, you know, she's, you know, gonna, you know, meet up with the you know, like <laughs> <and> they're gonna <laughs> run off into the woods and catch a couple snails and come back that's <laughs> It wasn't so much like that. Like the job of blurring is monotonous, it's challenging, it's time consuming. Um so that for that reason it was hard to maintain people and to have people stay because of if there's a lot of rotoscoping. I can We can talk about the process. So basically, you have to be very patient to be a blur artist. You have yeah. to be okay with just basically rototrack, rotoscoping and tracking. And um, yeah, so a lot of the time, it's very technical and it's very tedious. So we should actually, you're
1: right, we should explain rotoscoping. That's when you're selecting in part of the image. Yeah highlighting it, or in this case, blurring it, and then moving forward almost frame by frame and readjusting that blur as necessary,
2: correct? Absolutely, so let's okay. say, so the the blur artist's job is extremely challenging on Naked and Afraid. And the reason that is, is because, you know, you have naked people and the purpose, the job is to blur out the naughty bits. Um, now, the reason we use rotoscoping in Naked and Afraid was because to make the blurs as seamless as possible, if someone's, let's say, you know, you have to say someone's working on something, they're weaving a basket to catch fish, um, and they're doing it in front of their naughty bits, we would have to literally yeah. rotoscope out all of the fingers and the hands and, and all of that, and then recompose that back over the blur. Jesus Right. So that's why the... Naked and Afraid is such a phenomenon, and it's doing so well. It's because, I mean, you'll have, like, a blurred, you know, boobs, but you'll still be able to see what's going on in detail. And there's not just a blur over the hands all willy-nilly. I mean, we spend, like, I've spent on one shot, this shot in particular, I spent probably close to six to eight hours just rotoscoping the hands and the fingers. And I, I remember nights where I would be there, all night up until like one in the morning to get a shot done for like a promo piece or something. And, and it was like, they wanted this real specific shot. I, I obviously remember this shot very well. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was literally like frame by frame cutting out each individual finger. Cause you can't create these roto masks in complicated means because after a while it'll, you know, cause the finger dips behind and this, you know, so, yeah. It's very extremely tedious and detail-orientated so we would have to rotoscope the arms the fingers the hair um, Anything that would come in front or over of the naughty bits Right Mm -hmm. so and and then at the same time we'd have to do a lot of compositing in like we came up with a luma key technique for um, Like let's say they're running through the jungle um, And they go behind a tree well it, that even though they're behind a tree, you know, a boob could pop out in between some leaves, and all of a sudden, Happ- a point, yeah, you know, it happens to all that of us. One frame. So, <laughs> um, early on, we had a gentleman by the name of Adam uh, Burns, and his job, like he was, um, I think, uh, associate uh, post producer or something. And he would, he would have to watch through every frame of every episode and make sure that there was no nudity. Mm-hmm you know, <laughs> so he, so and that's our note passes because we're blurring stuff. And sometimes we would, you know, we'd like miss a frame, you know, cause we're, our jobs are so in depth. I mean, we're looking at like leaves and like sometimes we right. do have to rotoscope out a leaf, but then what we did is we created other techniques, like this luma key technique where we could luma key out the green and recomposite that back over top, you know, after we blur. So, they get afraid. The job of the blur artist is technically a compositor job. It's, it's mm-hmm. extremely complex and in television. Problem, you know, like other compositors, there you know, there's all these different levels of composite, right? You've got your motion picture compositors, and and you've got your like television effects compositors, kind of like I am. That's what I specialize in. And then there's a the blur compositor, <laughs> right. That, yeah, so it's extremely, so we do a lot of tracking. So you, we'd use Mocha to track and rotoscope. Um, but when it came down to getting a good track on certain things, we'd, like, exhaust every possibility. Sometimes you get a good track, sometimes you go. Um, did
0: you have to use specific language?
2: Like, did you have to refer to parts as certain parts? Did you
0: have to use technical terms, or...?
2: Yeah, you know, we... Um, there were all kinds of funny, different little things that, you know, we would name, you know, bits and pieces, um, you hope. know, because <laughs> we'd all be one stir crazy in there. So we'd start making up stuff. And um, But yeah, there. But, you know, for the most part, it wasn't really a part of the conversation. You know, nip slip. That was the nip slip, you know, because that yeah. would be in post like, oh, there's a nip slip. That would be a note for us like, oh, shot five oh oh one two three four you know has has a nip slip in it that would be like one of our notes, and we have to go try to find that um you know, but yeah, I mean i it off the top up my mind, I can't remember too many uh i think
0: yes, you can, oh. I can see it in yeah. your face. <laughs> <laughs> you're holding chinchilla. back i
2: think i think chinchilla. the chinchilla you know someone hasn't <laughs> shaved uh oh, yeah, um, like a male that hasn't shaved yeah. you know like there's like a dirty rat <laughs> hanging around you know <laughs> um, uh, <bye-bye> <laughs> <later>. <laughs> yeah. did
1: anybody ever get in touch with you asking that their blur be bigger just yeah, for simple
2: yeah i mean we have we have like you know some of the because because most of the stuff had already been filmed and then they would bring back in like certain talent um, or the survivalists would come back in and they'd be in the office and sometimes they'd, they'd, we'd be working on their episode and it was, it was very awkward, you know, you got
0: something, <laughs> <laughs> <"Hey>, bro <laughs> you
2: know, <laughs> like, Nice <laughs> to meet you. Really oh, we've blush. met. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, And now you're standing right here. It's a little weird, but uh, they would be like, Hey, yeah, make, make the blur a little bit bigger. Can you do that? Uh-huh. i <laughs> happened more than once. No. I was going to say that must've been a <laughs> frequent. Right. And
1: they, and they weren't joking, were they? No, they were like, no, no. Yeah. Sure. Now the, also I know you guys were termed the blur man group. Yeah. Was that a self, uh, Self-definition, or was that something someone else on the production team gave you guys?
2: The Blurman group was, I think we kind of came up with that name. Um, We were, you know, the team, we were pretty proud, you know, of our work going into like year three. And and we we ended up, um, there was an interview with uh, Playboy. And I believe we kind of, it we just kinda of needed a catch you know, we would we would have like little parties and, you know, office parties and things like that and everyone would start loosening up a little bit and we'd we kinda of come up with, you know, little catchphrases. But we came up with the, the the name Blurman Group, I think was originally for that article. It was kind of just, you know, they needed some type of like uh something to call call us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was just a catchy little like, you know, tongue in cheek thing we came up with. Right.
1: Now you've since gone on just looking at your resume um, You're working on the arrangement for E and it sounds like you've been consulting and working on a bunch of other shows Has there ever been a job you've had since Naked and Afraid that was more challenging and more Specific on just every single episode. There is a lot of work to
2: be done before this is ready for broadcast You know because I was you know fortunate enough to get cut my teeth on naked and Fred. Yes. I mean, I've I've gone on to work on uh, Several shows and in shots in footage for several shows where I have very difficult challenges in compositing um, mm-hmm. so the answer is yes, they wasn't nudity so much, but I've done a lot of background removal I've had mm-hmm. had shots in the last couple years where I had to remove people's shadows, like, off of, like, random walls. Um, you know, I do a lot of that type of work where I, I make things go away. <laughs> um, so, it's like, fix it in post, you know. Right. right.
0: Fix it in post. Yes. My
2: thing. So, yeah, you know, and that's on just the compositing side. And that's, like, kind of, you know, compositing is different than designing. I'm a designer uh, first. Okay. I'm a trained and uh, experienced compositor. Um, I believe that because I'm a, a a regular artist and I paint and I have always done that all my life. And then you know, having started designing advertising at a very young age, I um, so my design was there first. I you know I my first schooling I went to the art institute in the 90s and I you know I and I studied everything to be a publisher and I, you know, I helped move along our our family business um into the digital age so i was already like very much of a designer and technical Um, so the so yes like any composite job uh depending on what the ask is is extremely difficult they never really get easy some are easier than others but they're all challenging in their own way they all have their their own beast Um, now so i would say that the job doesn't necessarily get easier. Um, my techniques get better and, um, but you know, things take time. I get, I've got faster mm-hmm. work, um, which is, you know, I'm extremely efficient. Uh, then, then there's, you know, and from that point I I've gone back to being a designer and, um, most recently over at Fox, I was an art director for some of their social media stuff. Um, and so that job, so on the designer side, that's probably more difficult than, it's a different type of pressure. So as a designer, you're developing, you're working with art directors, you're developing looks of things, you know, say for these show packages and that I get called in to do, um, you know, they, they bring me into and I design their look. Um, so there's a lot, there's a process, and a lot of pressure behind that as well. I generally am more that's It's more stressful the design side of it um, mm-hmm. Depending on deadlines. Um, I that's my my realm as well. I'm like I love being creative So I have my processes, uh, but the designing is the most pressure Depending on the deadline just because I like things to be awesome And I want right. my producers to be happy. So it, it's it's always uh there's you know i've i always say it at the end you know even though the process is difficult there's never a bad note so producers that's their job help us get to yes help us get to air and it's going to look the best i my job as a designer is to flush things out and make get to a point where the producers are happy and the network executives are happy and they sign off so as a designer it's a it's a little bit of a different process. You go through that, and it's like this emotional roller coaster, and designing, and notes, and and eventually it gets delivered, and it's amazing. Um, you know, and it's not just me; it's a it's a combined effort of myself and the production team. Um, and I I think that's the most rewarding aspect of the job for me is knowing in the end I've done my best. Um, We've gone through the process. We've delivered a graphic or something that, you know, executives are happy with. And and if it gets ratings, then then we're we're all happy.
1: For more information on Aaron, what he's been up to, what he's working on, and for visual effects, visit his website, which is erintgavin.com. That's E-R-I-N-T-Gavin.com.
0: Be sure to follow Why the Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check out our YouTube channel for some additional great Why content. If you're so inclined, please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing.
1: Today's show is produced by myself and Heidi Hedquist. Our reluctant executive producers are John Sove and Sandy Stone. Our graphic designer is Samantha Mustonen. Our intern is Randy Jeanette. The theme song was performed by the Electrosynthno Magnetic Polyphonic Orchestra. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home.